Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name's Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. And today I wanted to talk about Meltdown Inspector. So you might have heard some news about the seemingly cataclysmic exploits that have uh, come out recently. And so I kind of wanted to talk about what they are, what they mean, what's being done about them. So there's, they're all based around the same type of exploit, but they're different variants of the same thing. Notably, there's three variants all told. One is Meltdown, and then there's two variants of Spectre itself. And all of them are basically a problem of something called speculative execution. So what is this thing, speculative execution? Basically, modern processors, anything really in the past, well, this affects anything really in the past 10 years, but this has been around longer than that. They use a technique that's used to maximize performance. And what it's basically trying to do is to execute instructions before they know they are needed. So they're trying to guess at which way a branch will be taken and try to execute those instructions based on that guess. If it happens to be correct, then, well, it saves some work, and if not, just discards those results. So a branch is something like an if-else condition, anything requiring some sort of logic, and it just means that it's going to try to say, well, I think it's going to go this way, so I'm going to try to run that code and see if it works. And then if the application itself actually says, yeah, that's what I needed, well, hey, it's already done it ahead of time. And that's why it can save some, you know, um, save some performance and, you know, kind of help increase the speed at which some things execute. So speculative execution itself doesn't change or alter the program behavior, but it does affect the processor states in a detectable ways. And that's what these exploits have shown, that these things can be measured and then acted upon. So what does this actually affect? Well, it affects virtually all modern processors in the past 10 years. It does have varying effects based on what processor type, what company, because um, they're not all architected the same or use the same type of thing. That being said, almost every one of them does use this speculative execution uh, technique. And it does affect some browsers um, based on the types of attacks. It does affect operating systems. So what you can see is that it really affects most components to some degree of an operating system and a user experience. And that's why this has really become such a big deal. Now, these exploits themselves were found a while back, and most companies have been very quietly working on fixes for them because they're not easy fixes. And they didn't want this to get out before they were even ready to do this. That's why some of this took um, a lot of companies by surprise. Uh, just because they'd done a very good job of keeping it quiet and they wanted to be as well positioned as they could. 
that being said, not everything was out before things got leaked. So that's why we're kind of in the state that we are today where a lot of things are being patched as quickly as they can. And at least they were close to it, even though they weren't 100% sure on exactly what fixes worked best. So what are the different types of attacks here? Well, the first one, Meltdown, is arguably the easiest one to fix. And what it means is that there is a sharing of memory between the kernel, which is like the core of the operating system, and the user. So applications in space used by normal people. And there are protections in place so that the user can't normally read this special protected kernel memory space. But with Meltdown, it bypasses this, and then the user space can read certain private kernel memory. This one's uh, a lot easier to patch um, because of basically the fixes don't allow them to read it. Um, but, you know, even with that, there are certain performance in, you know, implications as there are with Spectre as well. So what's Spectre? Well, it has two variants. Um, there's a, the first variant. It's a, and overall the Spectre problem is a much more complicated exploit. Adds, so for the first one, basically what it does is use something called a bounds check bypass. Uh, and what this means is that, say you have a set of values, and in uh, speaking about like computer programming, like an array, it can find a way to break out of those values and access memory outside of that set of values. And the second variant of Spectre is one called a branch target injection vulnerability. And what this means, it's kind of similar to um, the speculative execution where, uh, you know, it's trying to pre predict the uh, branch to go down, like that if-else condition. What this can do is inject a bit of malicious code into one of those branches and then basically training the processor to go down the branch of code that it wants, the exploit wants, and executing this malicious set of code. So both of them, well, all three of them really are kind of core issues and problems to the OS. And so this means that there is a lot of fixes and a lot of thought need to be put into what exactly do we need to do to fix this. So what's the current status of everything? Well, most cloud providers at this point have patched or are in process of patching most of the vulnerabilities. Some are waiting for uh, Intel or AMD to release well-vetted um, processor updates, as not all of them have gone super smoothly. And many OSs themselves are still releasing updates to the OS so that... Um, those using them can patch it. Um, some are already out. Uh, for example, if you're using uh, Linux OSs, many of the operating systems have something out already. Uh, not that there have been without issues. I, in fact, encountered this. Uh, I have an Ubuntu 16.04, so that long-term support um, server and a uh, version 108 uh, kernel update came out. And at the time, 
you know, it's not uncommon for those updates to come out, and I was in my normal patching routine. And, of course, I rebooted that droplet, uh, in this case because I'm using DigitalOcean, and uh, it wasn't able to boot. And so I ended up having to spend many hours to uh, fix that issue. Uh, but, thankfully, Ubuntu 109, which is or the, um, the kernel update 109, uh, they have come out, fixed that problem, so at least it won't be going forward. But as you can see that there are some effects already happening. Uh, Windows uh, has been releasing some updates, uh, some there, some are coming soon. Um, Mac OS and iOS both have updates that have been released by Apple. Um, so everything's kind of still getting there, but um, getting closer. And Intel and AMD themselves are releasing what are called microcode updates, and those will be, you know, processor updates to allow them to somewhat protect against these vulnerabilities and also make available to operating systems some new capabilities to help protect them against it. So part of the problem with all of this, though, is that not only is it just a security um, issue to fix, but the fixes themselves have performance implications. And this can be a, you know, varying levels of how big a deal this is. Uh, for cloud systems out there, depending on what you're running and what your workload is, this could be really bad, or this might have a negligible effect. Uh, there's been a couple uh, providers or a couple companies out there that have already seen how this affects their production systems. And when they rolled out the updates, what they saw was, depending on the workload, anywhere from like 10 to 30 percent uh, uh, processor increases, which did have an effect on their services. So it is, it has been a problem. And what it does seem like is that it seems highest for workloads that use a lot of a lot of disk access um, because. It seems that after a certain point, when you get to high levels of disk access, it just it takes a lot of overhead, far more than before. And because of that, there is a lot of um, increase in CPU usage. What this means for a lot of organizations is either they're having to scale out further, uh, so add more resources to um, their workloads, or re-architect some of how they're doing it. And this can affect services that everyone uses. For home users, uh, depending on how old their processors are, what processor they're using, and what OS they're running, kind of will determine what performance that they see. So that's part of the problem with this is that it varies across a lot of areas. So it hasn't been, um, it's not one thing where you say, yep, everyone's going to see a 10% performance hit and it's going to be a problem. It, it just varies. Um, things that have been put out there though is that Windows 7 in particular versus Windows 10, users of the older OS will definitely see a higher performance hit, uh, notably because of how Windows 10 does loading of resources and um, versus how Windows 7 does. Uh, I think the example given was that in Windows 10, um, it doesn't load uh, fonts in kernel memory, um, and so therefore, uh, it doesn't see the hit, or it already had a slight performance hit, but it won't see anywhere near the performance hit that Windows 7 does because it's used to doing that. 
And depending on the perform or the uh, processor that you're running, if you're running a lot older one, then it will have more of a, a hit and uh, potentially not even get a patch depending on how old it is. So another issue with this though is that because it does require a microcode update, a lot of people aren't going to necessarily update their processors. And it's not a knock against anybody in particular, it's just it's tough to get a large number of people to update something like that, especially if it's not right there in automatic. And not all of these will be. Some of them you will have to like go out and actually get the uh, update that you need. But that is kind of to be determined, and I'm hoping that a lot of the OSs will help fix that. And depending on what OS it is, um, like Mac and um, iOS, uh, they'll handle most of that no matter what. Uh, the problem will really be Windows systems and making sure that those are patched. Uh, and then the other thing is to talk about is how applications themselves are handling this. So uh, the applications that are the most vulnerable to it are the browser applications, uh, mostly because, well, how else is the code going, the malicious code going to get to you? It's most likely going to be browsing somewhere, going somewhere, downloading something. Um, and so the various browser manufacturers are updating their um, software and in various states of that. Firefox and Safari already have updates out. Um, and it's not to say that this will protect against everything already, but they're getting there. But there's already mitigations in place for those. Um, Firefox, their update basically was a reduce the accuracy of timing, um, like how fast things execute, because it makes it much harder for those exploits to work to kind of uh, use that timing to figure out what's about to happen. Uh, Chrome doesn't have it yet, but um, they will be releasing... Uh, on January 23rd, it's due to be released at least Chrome 64, which will have most of those updates in place. And if you want, ahead of time, you can enable something called site isolation, which is behind a flag. You know where, what that is in Chrome. Uh, there's certain features behind flags that you can enable or disable there, like beta features. Um, and you can get some of the benefits ahead of time. And what it means is that you're running each site itself in its own process. And that just means it can't share with other ones. And the possibility of uh, a malicious bit of code breaking out of that browser window, essentially, and getting to things it shouldn't have access to is very small. So as you can see, there is a ton of uh, industry activity around this. Uh, it touches virtually every aspect of the industry um, that's getting involved. Everyone from, you know, operating system uh, vendors to application uh, owners to uh, cloud providers and, you know, other applications like antivirus vendors, which have to change, everyone has to change their code to better protect against this. So that kind of brings us to the end. Um, I wanted to lay out what is happening, what all this means, and where it's at. So... Follow this podcast on Twitter at BitVByte and Facebook at slash BitVByte. And let me know if you've seen a performance hit from Meltdown or Spectre, if you think the hype is all that it's cracked up to be. So thank you for listening, and I hope you join us next week.